from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Answering the call. These farmers are coming out of the woodwork. Farmers turn out in droves to help a farmer bring in the harvest. Machinery Pete owners a giant in the used equipment business as USCA looks to boost exports. We have all felt and seen what an over-reliance on any single market can mean uh, to the food and agricultural sector. A look at a new program, it's hoped will be a game changer right now on Ag Day. Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when blood, sweat, and tears meet rain, wind, and sun. Pioneer, what's next happens here. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. A new forecast from USDA sees exports falling next year. It's releasing a new ag trade forecast. Now the agency calling for exports of $169.5 billion. That's down $2.5 billion from August. Now that's against imports of $200 billion, which is up about $500 million. Now that would result in an ag trade deficit of $30.5 billion. Now to buffer the bigger trade deficit in 2024, in October, USDA established the new Regional Agricultural Promotion Program. It will provide $1.3 billion over five years to nonprofit U.S. trade groups and cooperatives. However, as Ag Day's Michelle Rook reports, farm groups are skeptical it will be enough to move the needle on trade. USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack says the U.S. government is working hard to help American exporters reduce their over-reliance on big markets like China and diversify their portfolios. And that's the main goal behind this new ag export program. Secretary Vilsack told the President's Export Council USDA would start accepting applications for an initial $300 million of RAP funding coming from the CCC. USDA hopes to help U.S. ag exporters break into new markets outside of China, Canada, Mexico, and the European Union. We have all felt and seen what an over-reliance on any single market can mean uh, to the food and agricultural sector. And while we want to continue to invest in our top markets, they're important trading partners, we also want to make sure we're thinking more broadly, broadly than that. The first phase will focus on diversification and expanding market share in three regions, Africa, Latin America, and the Caribbean, and Southeast Asia. We're tapping the CCC at USDA, and we're gonna take $1.3 billion to fund this new RAP program, which will really help um, market development in, again, these really important regions around the world to make sure our industry have the resources um, to be investing in promotional activities and market um, research in market um, consumer intelligence in those markets. But U.S. ag sector and farm state lawmaker concerns are accelerating regarding the Biden administration's trade policy. They note that unless trade barriers are reduced or eliminated in targeted countries, export promotion programs aren't enough. Neither one of the last two administrations on our current Congress really has been concentrating on free trade agreements. And I think, you know, it's the, one of the points that I want to make is that's really what makes a difference. Sprunk says it's no coincidence that the top meat export customers include countries like Mexico, South Korea, Japan, and Colombia. 
you look at those top 10 countries that we got on beef, pork, and lamb, they're all there because we have free trade agreements with them. We export more to those countries that we've got with free trade agreements than the rest of the world combined. And so that's very important in my mind. We got to have the legislative ability here to create those free trade agreements to talk one-on-one -on -one with those countries. He says the trade outlook for fiscal year 2024 reflects a complex interplay of economic factors, such as a strong U.S. dollar, global demand, and trade dynamics. But the U.S. needs to ramp up its trade agenda to offset that. I'm Michelle Rook reporting for Ag Day. All right, thanks, Michelle. We're also getting a better look at projections when it comes to farm income. USDA's Economic Research Service projecting a decrease in farm sector profits this year compared to last. Inflation-adjusted net cash farm income is now forecast to decline by 49 0.2 billion over 23% from 2022, reaching to just under $158 billion this year. Net farm income is expected to drop by 20% to just over $151 billion this year. Now, experts say farm income is still above the average of the past 20 years. But still, the farm sector remains fairly healthy in terms of its solvency. The projected decrease this year comes after both net cash farm income and net farm income reached all-time highs a year ago. It was a snowy weekend in the northwest, while other parts of the country started December with warmer conditions. Meteorologist Matt Engelbrecht has a look ahead for us. Matt? Yeah, the big story this week is what's going on with the ridge of high pressure developing across the United States between the 6th and the 10th. They got a good chance of some above normal temperatures. Now that's not going to do much in regards to uh, melt some of the snowpack that is already down there. This is more of again above average for this time of year, and that's going to continue to extend to the east with this ridge. Give you an idea what that looks at. It looks like we'll look at it with the jet stream coming up in just a bit. Otherwise, take a look at your screen here. This is uh, out of North Dakota, uh, courtesy of Blaze. Now there's an S in there. I want to say Blaze, but I think it's Blaze. Either way, a beautiful shot here off in the distance. And of course, thank you for sharing this one in from North Dakota. The harvest is finally coming to an end for some. Yeah, snapping this photo, last pass of the year, he said, this is Blaze talking, he said he had an awesome crop. Whether it's Blaze or Blaze, love it. That's great to hear. I'll have more in your forecast, including a look at the jet stream coming up in just a bit. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says the world is facing an escalating food crisis. Speaking last week at a COP28 session, he said 700 million people are chronically undernourished around the world. He also announced the U.S. will join as an Emirates Declaration on Sustainable Agriculture, Resilient Food Systems and Climate Action and will serve as a founding member of the Technical Cooperation Collaborative. And today, the United States is pledging an additional $50 million on top of the $100 million that we announced in July. At the same time, thank you. At the same time, we're, we're scaling climate smart agriculture through the President's Partnership for Global Infrastructure and Investment. We're also advancing food systems innovation through the expansion of initiatives like the Agriculture Innovation Missions for Climate with the UAE which is marshalling billions in private and public investments. The conference president last week issuing a document calling for a phase down of fossil fuels, which experts say is less than a phase out. But 106 nations in Africa, Europe, the Caribbean and the Pacific signed a statement calling for a phase out. 
$17.7 million, that's how much a federal jury has awarded in damages after finding some ag producers guilty of price fixing. The jury in Chicago saying several major ag producers conspired to limit the U.S. supply of eggs in an effort to raise prices from 2004 to 2008. That decision coming in a case stemming from a federal lawsuit filed 12 years ago. Several large food manufacturing companies, including Kraft Foods and Kellogg's, filed that original suit. Now, the four egg suppliers named in the case are Calmaine Foods, Roseacre Farms, United Egg Producers, and United States Egg Marketers. They have denied the claims against them. Kraft alone will receive roughly $12.8 million, and Kellogg's about $3.2 million. A Tennessee farmer is counting his blessings after being rescued after getting buried up to his neck in corn. The urgent rescue unfolding in this grain bin after the 70-year-old farmer fell in. Now, responders rappelling down into the huge container, racing against time to rescue the trapped farmers. They created a makeshift wall around him and then used a vacuum to remove some of that corn. It worked. They were able to pull him out through a side access door in the bin. And get this, he was able to get out of that bin unharmed. We'll have more on this story tomorrow morning on Ag Day. Rain chances in Brazil tempering markets to end last week. We'll look ahead to this week coming up next in Markets Now. And later, in the spirit of the season, farmers in Indiana share their time, tools, and talents to help a farmer in need. That's in the country. And why not take a minute this morning to sign up for the Case IH Holiday Giveaway. Each lucky winner will get a Case IH prize pack full of great gifts. Now we'll announce winners just before Christmas here on Ag Day. Then the grand prize winner will be announced just before the holiday on U.S. Farm Report. They'll win a Farm All Seed pedal tractor. To enter, head to the website on your screen, KSIHHolidayGiveaway.com. The Dow climbed to its highest point of the year on Friday while commodity prices ended mixed. Michelle Rook breaks it all down for us in Markets Now. Friday's market closes in the grains were higher in corn and wheat, lower in soybeans. Mike Miner, professional ag marketing, is joining us. Mike, uh, corn and wheat futures, uh, we did see higher closes Friday, higher weekly closes. So was that just short covering or can we build on this now? Yeah, the corn market last week there, we saw that uh, a little bit lower Brazilian crop estimates really didn't give much support to that corn market. And that's kind of what we were hoping for looking forward uh, through last week. And uh, as we noticed that first notice day, uh, we saw some liquidation ahead of that through the middle of the week in that December contract as we're in, into delivery now on that contract. And uh, the overall idea of adequate supplies here in the United States really weighed on prices, really weighed on spreads. And, uh, you know, end of the month and the first notice day selling that we saw, uh, that hopefully ran its course there for a couple days. And now that we're into a new month, new week, we can uh, see a little bit more commodity inflow and uh, you know, really get some of these shorts covered up in this corn market. And the same goes for wheat as well, I think, Michelle. Yeah. What about soybeans? Uh, we took out some maybe weather premium from Brazil forecasts on Friday. But really, that market, it's all about what the weather does from here on out for this next week, doesn't it? Yeah, that December 11th uh, rainfall that's supposed to occur in uh, Brazil, they're getting a little bit of attention. Uh, we had an opportunity here for the Bears to kind of win the end of last week and pull soybeans toward a support level 
around 1325 on that Jan contract. And, you know, we, we closed Friday right at that 1325 level. So a little bit threatening, um, uh, but we'll see what we go, uh, go with uh, going forward on this Brazil crop estimate. And then we've had a little bit lower U.S. dollar. So we saw some flash sales on, on Friday again. And then just a little bit inconsistent rainfall through Brazil. They, you know, you look at a, a six to 10 day map and you see quite a bit of rainfall for that time frame. But once it starts coming, it's a 10th year, 10th there. Uh, it just doesn't really add up to, to what they expected. So uh, a little bit inconsistent there. And that's kept the bull edge a, a little bit more in favor yet uh, on this soybean camp. Thanks for joining us, Mike Miner, Professional Ag Marketing. We'll have more Ag Day coming up. So we'll look at the jet stream coming up in just a little bit. I want to take you through the rest of your Monday and into your Tuesday and Wednesday. See, things are pretty quiet in and across the United States. Top right corner of your screen, that's that low-pressure system that we're tracking this past week and, and through the weekend. That's going to lift off to the north and to the east. Quiet uh, from the east to the west in and across the United States. A weak clipper system may bring a shot of uh, some light rain, some light snow into Wisconsin, Illinois in the Midwest, but you see how this already turns up to the north. What's going on here is the blocking pattern setting up down here to the south is going to push any of that energy back up here to the north and with it, that pocket of cool, cold air as well. So once that exits by Tuesday night and into Wednesday, we start to see again cloudy conditions into the Midwest, but quiet conditions across a good portion of the United States as we're going to be kind of a bookend between a low pressure system moving that way and another one coming ashore. A lot of rainfall up and on the uh, the West Coast, Oregon into Washington. That's something that we looked at last week and you can kind of see it a show up in the jet stream Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. There's the weak clipper system. This white line goes down to the south just a little bit. Call it a clipper because it's not really digging that far down to the south and uh, bringing in a, uh, a lot of cold air. And that's going to be moving off to the north and to the east with that ridge of high pressure starting to build in. And that is quite the feature. Pocket of cold air here, uh, but the uh, yellow, uh, the white extending all the way up into Canada, which is going to continue to fill in and bring in uh, some of that uh, Pacific moisture into Portland and into Seattle for a number of rainy days for those locations. That being said, by Wednesday and Thursday, this is going to translate to the east, which is where those above average temperatures come into play. Another piece of energy going to come down north to south. Not all that impressive by Thursday, Friday and Saturday, bringing with it slightly cooler temperatures. But here's the temperature outlook for the 8th through the 14th. That's nearly the entire United States. So with that, that chance of above normal temperatures. And that's what we're going to get set for not only the 8th through the 14th, but possibly a little bit into the weekend as well. Start off in Maryland, a partly cloudy high around 52 degrees, low of 37. Lee's Summit, not your summit, not my summit. That's Lee's Summit, high of 50, low of 38. And then north, mostly cloudy, high around 65 out of South Carolina. Ag Day is brought to you by Lamar's Toy Store, the largest and most diversified farm toy store in the U.S. They have new and old and do restorations and customizations too. You need to see it to believe it. Visit LamarsToyStore.com or call us at 712-546-4305. Machinery Pete has spent years looking for the best deals on used farm equipment, but he joins us this morning with the story of one man that goes beyond the iron and the numbers. Well, folks, 34 years now building this machinery peat business, 
uh, as I get older, one thing becomes more and more clear to me. It's about the equipment, the tractors, and all that, but it's more about the people. The farm equipment dealers, the farmers, the auctioneers, the folks who make equipment. Uh, what an honor it's been to get to know these folks over the years, get to know you. Uh, and frankly, you folks are out there going for your own American dream, rolling up your sleeves and going for it. Is it easy? <laughs> heck no, it's hard as heck. But when you work hard, and you don't quit, and you have faith and long-term vision, you can do amazing things. Now recently, we lost an amazing guy. 86-year-old Bob Steffes passed away on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, Bob was a legendary auctioneer. Uh, he was the second of 11 children, moved to Arthur, North Dakota when he was five years old. Had his first auction in 1960. Went on to become the 1972 World's Livestock Auctioneer Champion, the 1991 uh, President of the National Auctioneer Association, was voted into the National Auctioneer Association, Association Hall of Fame in 1999, built an amazing business which grew into the Steffes Group, uh, not just one of the best auction companies in Minnesota, the Midwest, but one of the best auction companies in the world. I mean, go to their website, the Steffes Group, and look at the scale of the auctions they're having coming up, the sales they've had. Unbelievable. And it all started back in 1960 with Bob Steffes uh, treating people, buyers and sellers, the right way with respect. And as amazing as the auction company Bob helped build, he built a more amazing family. Married to his wife, Jean, for 65 years, six kids, and again, many of the kids in the business built an amazing group. Bob, you live the American dream. Hats off to you for a job well done. Rest in peace, my friend. All right, thanks, Pete. Well, up next, the inspiration of the season continues. As farmers help a fellow farmer finish the harvest season ahead of Christmas. That story, next. Your next piece of equipment is on MachineryPete.com. Search equipment from dealerships across the country to find what you're looking for. Only on MachineryPete.com. It was quite a busy sight last week in Lakeville, Indiana, as dozens of farmers descended with their combines and grain trucks on one farm. The goal? Help get their neighbor's corn out of his fields. George Millay of Agday affiliate WNDU was there as it all went down. A brilliant morning found a cold wind blowing across Jerry Leininger's cornfields near Lakeville, Indiana. Ordinarily, these rough yet brittle stalks of corn would have already been cut down to be stored as silage and shipped to North Carolina hog farms. But Jerry was hospitalized suddenly earlier this month, putting his harvest on hold. That's when an organic movement began with Phil Lehman at the point. And word got out and my phone started ringing and uh, be honest with you, I've had 28 farmers call me. Uh, I haven't called anybody to come help, and it just has all come together, and it just pays a huge tribute to who Jerry Leininger is. He walks into a room and he'll say, you ain't gonna believe this, followed by the story. <laughs> Jerry's truly a cat of nine lives. Um, boy, our hearts go out to him and the family right now, and all these guys that are out here, 
you know, prayers for them for safety today. For his part, Phil Lehman has been touched by the outpouring of goodwill from his farming community. These farmers are coming out of the woodwork. Uh, I'm, I'm getting guys 10, 15 miles away that want to help. I just got a call before I came here and I said, hey, can I help? I had a guy call and said I got a 300 bushel grain truck, which is small, because uh -huh. we got 1,000 and 1,500 and so forth. I said, bring it. Evidence that the Midwest landscape filled with farms is more than just cornfields and livestock. It is a community that thrives on friendship, connection, and unfailing support. All right, thanks, George. Now, after the harvest that day, the farmers learned their neighbor and friend, Jerry Leiniger, had passed away. But what a way to help Jerry's family in their time of need. That's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in from all of us here at Hagdan Fenders. Have a good one.